Hi, this is Brian Margolis, author of the Index Card Business Plan for Sales Pros and Entrepreneurs, and you're listening to My Quest for the Best with Bill Ringel. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringel here, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock your growth potential. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished guests who want to share their knowledge and experiences so you can be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating towards more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Brian Margolis. Brian is a former environmental scientist turned entrepreneur. He's the creator of the Pillar System and founder of ProductivityGiant.com. His pillar system helps people create a strategy so simple that it fits on an index card. Brian lives in Voorhees, New Jersey, and is here to talk about his book, The Index Card Business Plan for Sales Pros and Entrepreneurs, How to Use the Pillar System to Simplify Your Strategy and Magnify Your Results. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me, Bill. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you. Tell me, when you were growing up, who's someone who influenced or inspired you? Uh, that's an easy one for me, Jacques Cousteau. I grew up wanting to be Jacques Cousteau. I wanted to dive underwater all day, all night, and play with the whales and sharks, <laughs> which is probably why I went into school and grad school for marine science. That is a lasting influence. What about that appealed to you when you were younger? I mean, what doesn't appeal? I mean, the idea of going under the sea to me and, you know, he, I mean, he was a pioneer of scuba diving and, and exploring so many different places that it was just you know, he was kind of a why not guy, which I was an I was that annoying why not kid. Like when people would say, you know, this, I'd be like, well, why can't you? Why why not? And so, I mean, animals, sharks, adventure, underwater, Jacques still had it all. I get it. Do you remember an instance where you kind of latched onto or felt the influence of his possibility thinking, really? So why can't we do this? Why can't we go ahead and, and start a business out of our backyard? Why can't we, you know, completely change how the problem's going to be? Do you remember growing up and having something like that influence you and you just found yourself saying, why not? You know, in your mind, yeah. it's kind of like Jacques would do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, but it was never, it, growing up, it was never in the world of business. It was just in the world of solutions, right? It was just when when things would happen or people would be like, oh, you just can't do that. Or they'd use the word and I'd say, why can't you do that? And they go, because it's just not how you do it. And it was just always a thing for me. Like, well, that doesn't make sense. Prove it. And so, and, and it annoyed the teachers, I think, but, <laughs> but, but I've always been that way. I've always, uh, why not is or no, isn't good enough for me. And, and I just think that's how Jacques Cousteau and guys like that are. It's, well, how do we know? We haven't tried it. So growing up, liking Jacques Cousteau, I wanted to scuba dive. And they told me, you can't scuba dive. You're not old enough. And I said, why not? <laughs> and I found a place that was willing to train me. It was a local community college. And they decided I, I got to start learning early. They just couldn't officially certify me because of my age, the, the certifying company, but they were willing to teach me. And by the end of the course, I was actually at the age. And so they just waited a few months and, uh, they took me up to a quarry, I think it was, trying to remember back, and they certified me. And I was a certified scuba diver before I could even get a job. Before your driver's license, you had a scuba license. I, actually, yeah, about four years before I even had a driver's license. I did. I, I had a scuba license. But yeah, that, that's just a, it's just a trend through my, through, through my life. I love it. You sat down and wrote the book, The Index Card Business Plan. What was your hope when you decided to write this book? My hope was that I could prove to people, and again, the only way I can prove it is to lay it out and have them try it, 
that there's actually a better way to operate. You know, most people that I work with, you know, if you grew up in a certain generation and, and even, you know, probably the existing generation, there was just always this badge of honor and this thing about how hard you worked and how busy you were and how fast you moved and how many hours you put in. And when I actually myself found a way to produce a lot more by doing a lot less, you know, I just wanted, I wanted to show other people there's an, e there's a better way. There's an easier way. And so my goal in writing the book was real simple. I never had any aspirations of being a New York times bestseller or being on Oprah Winfrey. I just wanted to lay it out so that anyone who wanted to challenge me or anyone who wanted to say, well, how do you do that? Don't just tell me you can do it. I could just say, read the book. And that was my goal with the book that you could read it cover to cover. And you would know how to simplify your business. For people who aren't familiar with your system and who haven't heard people describe it before, here's your chance. In a sentence or two, lay out the basic premise as to why this is a superior system for organizing your sales. So what this system does is it boils every activity that you could be doing with your time. And there's no shortage of those, right? It boils every activity that you could be doing with your time down to a list of maybe, you know, five, six, seven, eight activities that we call pillars. And it's a very simple concept. As long as you hit these pillars every week, which are in your control, and that's the key, as long as you hit those pillars every week, it's just a matter of time and pressure. Your business is moving in the right direction. And it's as simple as that. It's, it's the process by which we come up with what those pillars are for an individual. So what it does is it allows people to form a direction and give you ways of measuring your progress in that direction. Well, it's, it's the strategy itself, meaning as long as I do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you have to be proactive, right? These are things you have to do. As long as I do those things, I know those are the right things that will, that will move my business or my job in the right direction. And so it seems too simple because it's only a handful of things, but baked into those things are all the success principles that we understand, 80-20 rule, productivity over activity, saying no to things and, and, and all that stuff. You don't have to worry about that stuff. Once you have those pillars, by just hitting those pillars, that stuff's naturally incorporated into your business. Is this something you developed on your own or is it something you noticed other people doing and you kind of synthesized it in order to help you yourself get better results initially? That latter part is exactly what happened. I basically figured, it didn't have a name at the time, Bill. I had figured out, see, I thought because I came from a science background, I always felt like I was behind the eight ball. I never had any sales training or any business training. I never took a business course or anything like that. And so when I finally, and it took me a long time to work out a system that could reduce my overwhelm and my being all over the place, and I finally came up with something that worked for me, I remember people used to ask me about it, and I, I would answer in this aw shucks kind of way that, you know, well, I'm not really, you know, a business person, so I need this little index card and this make sure I do the right thing. And I couldn't believe the response I was getting from people way more successful than me. And so, if I'm being completely honest, as an entrepreneur, when I started seeing that reaction to my index card, which to me, I was almost embarrassed by, I saw a business opportunity. 
that's exactly what I saw. And so I basically reverse engineered what took me probably 10 years to figure out. So I operated and, and was successful. I reverse engineered it and, and named it the pillar system. And now you can teach that to people in a matter of days or weeks rather than years. Very quickly. I can, you know, the average person, I'll sit down with them for about an hour and we'll hash out what their pillars are. What's a common mistake that people make with identifying activities that aren't necessarily proactive or strategic that fit the criteria of your pillar? The number one mistake in the pillar system or, or, or in this process is they don't create pillars that can be measured, meaning they can't be crossed off at some point. You don't know you're finished. Let me give you an example. A lot of salespeople, for example, they'll say, well, I'll say, well, you know, they'll, they'll tell me what their plan is, what their focus, and they'll say, well, this year I need to make sure I'm focused more on getting in front of the right people. I need to focus more on, on getting in front of qualified prospects. Well, how do you know each week when you're done focusing more on getting in front of the right prospects, right? People use these words with no agreed upon definitions. Whereas with the pillar system, if you can't cross it off, if you don't know when it's done for the week, it's not a pillar. So that salesperson, if they said, I want to get in front of more of the right people, we could have multiple pillars that address that. So we might say, okay, you need to spend 60 minutes a week or one hour. Okay. A pillar could be, you need to spend 60 minutes a week identifying qualified prospects, right? Doing the homework, doing the LinkedIn, doing the website research to find out that these are the right people. And so that's easy to measure. You can literally put on a timer and after 60 minutes of doing that or two half hour sessions, you now have more people on your list. You then may have a second pillar that says, I'm now going to reach out to all of the people on my qualified prospect list each week. Or I'm going to schedule, it's a predictable result, I'm going to schedule at least one new qualified prospect a week, right? Or I'm going to email that, you know, whatever your, your methodology is. So one of them is to identify those people and make sure you're spending X amount of time doing that every week. And then the second pillar is to make sure week in and week out, you're actually reaching out to those people. I liked how you defined your pillar through these recognizable criteria where it's a proactive and significant category of action. It's something that's high leverage activity. It's something you already know how to do. So training how to do something or taking a class is not one of your pillars. A pillar can be measured on a weekly basis instead of a daily basis. And a pillar is an action for, or predictable result. And it's not a habit. What's the key about it being not a habit that's so significant from your perspective? Yeah. So the, the reason that the six, there's six criteria, that's what you're reading from, what is and isn't a pillar. My system is based on focus management. It's based on the idea that focus is your true limiting resource, your, your mental energy, your ability to focus on cognitively demanding activities throughout the day, that will run out, that focus, that mental energy will run out long before time in the day does. And so having said that, you're selecting your pillars based on what gives you the biggest return on investment for that bandwidth you're giving up, for that focus, that mental energy. 
by definition, if something's a habit, it doesn't actually require that focus. It's actually habitual, meaning you're going to do it regardless. It's almost automated. So for example, if you run three times a week, like I have a client, Dave, who's a runner. Okay. He's a runner, but he doesn't need a pillar to run. He loves running so much. He'll be late for dinner to get in his runs, if that makes sense. So although it meets all of the other criteria, right, for his personal pillars, his health pillars, he doesn't have to put it on his index card. It's going to happen anyway. And let me correct you on one thing you said or, or just kind of qualify it. You said something about the um, you have to know how to do it effectively. Therefore, training and learning isn't a pillar. What I'm saying there, just to be clear, for something to be a pillar, if you can't do it effectively, doing it consistently is just multiplying by zero, if that makes sense, right? Because that one trips people up sometimes. They're like, well, Brian, the problem in my business is something I can't do effectively. And that's okay. So you don't have a pillar of doing it 10 times a week since it's not going to get you anywhere. However, you do know how to learn. So we actually, one category of pillars is learning pillars, meaning if learning how to write cold emails, direct response copywriting, for example, would significantly improve your business, then you can spend 60 minutes, 30 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever it is a week, learning direct response copywriting. And so because although you may not know how to do direct response copywriting effectively, you know how to learn. You've been trained how to learn, how to read, how to watch videos and all that. So I want to be very clear that learning is a very important part of pillars. The key to a good learning pillar is choosing what to learn. Can you give an example of working with a client that made a choice like this, that made a difference in how effectively their business ran? Yeah, so I'll actually, I'll stick with the example of direct response copywriting. So I have a client named Andy. Andy was a killer, okay? Andy, when you got him in front of, a person or the ideal client, the person he was trying to influence, to sell to, it was game over. Instant connection, great guy, knew his stuff, could tell a great story. He was having issues with access, with getting in front of these, you know, these large potential clients. And so the skill that is early on when we first started working together, he had a learning pillar to learn direct response copywriting. He took these emails that he was writing that were like novels, right? And he learned how to create a good subject line and in a single sentence or two, write an email that got responded to by these people. And so over time, what happened was because that was the bottleneck in his business, by putting his efforts into learning that skill, he got a lot more meetings. Now, here's the key with a guy like Andy. Let's say Andy was an eight when he was presenting, okay, to a client. Well, he could have learned how to become a nine or a 10, but I don't know that the return on investment of getting his presentation better was as valuable as the return on investment of going from a zero to maybe a four in direct response copywriting, if that makes sense. Sure. What you're saying is that there are some things that really inhibit, block, or diminish one's efforts. And if you could change those coefficients, it actually makes things work a lot more effectively because you've identified the bottleneck in someone's process. Yeah, that, that's, ex that's exactly it. A lot of us just learn 
you know, we say, oh, well, it's always good to get better at stuff. Keep reading, keep learning, keep listening to podcasts, right? Keep keep doing these things. And that's great, right? You, you're always going to get good stuff from that. But when you talk about being intentional and having an actual weekly strategy, you've got to figure out ahead of time where your bandwidth, where your focus, your mental energy is best spent when it comes to learning a new skill, right? Which one's going to pay off the most? And that's a big component, as you know, of pillars is this is about being intentional, about deciding ahead of time what you need to do each week. Sure, because when people responsible for sales, for instance, are left to their own devices and discipline, we've all observed that they devise a priority plan and automatically take, begin taking effective action to execute that plan. Oh, wait a second. That's what we'd ideally like to see happen. <laughs> I was waiting for the laugh, right? <laughs> what do you notice actually happens, Brian? Yeah, I mean, look, most of us, and by the way, this is something crazy that I learned when I started showing people my index card and, and, and this system really started taking on a life of its own, which was most people, and, and I'm, I feel comfortable saying 90% plus, our natural state is to be reactive to change from one thing to another with every email, with every phone call, with every thought that pops into our head, constantly change directions and react and bounce around like a ping pong ball. That is our natural state. We'll, we'll do work-related stuff all day doing that stuff. And the answer for most people is when I'm not where I want to be, just do more. Just make more calls. Just work more hours. Just react for longer periods of time versus actually being intentional, creating that weekly strategy. I, I call it, Bill, if you don't mind me talking about it, trusting your CEO, right? You need the CEO of your business, which is often you, especially if you're a salesperson or a solopreneur or a small business owner, right? You're the CEO. So you use something like the pillar system ahead of time to figure out what the best return on investment for your mental energy and time is, okay? But then in the heat of action, in the trenches, when you're actually operating day to day, it's easy to decide in the moment that something that's more urgent, right, that's screaming should be done versus something you decided ahead of time should be done. And so that's where I teach my clients, you've got to trust your CEO. Frank, share with me an example of someone who you've worked with who didn't have any idea as to how to trust their CEO and prioritize their day that way and was able to make changes in what their routine was in using the pillar system in order to get better results. I'll use the example of, she has a longer name, we call her Barb, right? So Barb is a great example of this. She's an independent salesperson, so she has her own territory. She kind of, she's employed, but she eats what she kills, if that makes sense. And so she kind of runs her own business, even though she's a W-2. And so on Sunday nights, she would lay out everything. You know, she, she knew what she wanted to do. She had her list. She had her everything going. And what she would say is, by one o'clock on Monday, all of that was out the window, right? She would just start answering emails and phone calls. And, and so she was the classic example. Barb was the classic example of someone who was really good at what she did she was good, but she wasn't successful, okay? And so what Barb wound up doing was, to, was Barb took Mondays 
and Fridays. And with Mondays and Fridays, what she did was she wound up basically making those proactive days where Barb would actually build her business. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, she would be in the reactive. I'm meeting, I'm emailing, I'm calling, I'm doing all that stuff. And so what we had her do was she, by, by taking Monday and Friday and really being proactive, it made it easy for her to trust that CEO, that Sunday night person, because she didn't feel the pressure to pick up the phone, if that makes sense. She didn't feel the pressure to handle fires. That was for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And it's kind of like she was able to work on her business on Mondays and Fridays, and then in her business, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Yes. And I have a lot of clients, including myself, who we do it a little differently, where we spend the first few hours of our day working on our business. We're, that's our proactive part of our day. I call it pro time, right? And then the rest of the day is scheduled meetings, scheduled calls, and being reactive. And so you almost have a proactive part of your day to work on your business in the morning, and then you can have that reactive part of your day. Brian, it sounds like pillars vary between businesses and even within a business from one salesperson to another. How does this system allow people to have a common framework when it varies with the specific actions that each person is going to be doing? Right. So the key two pillars is that they are customized, right? We are not, I'm not giving a one size fits all. So going down the road with a salesperson, every salesperson should not have the same pillar. And the reason is if we go back to the story of Andy, for example, Andy's bottleneck where he was in his sales business was that his bottleneck was access. It wasn't his ability to sell once he was there. It was getting access to the right people. So his pillars focused more on access and being consistent and getting better at it than it was on the actual selling, product knowledge, follow-up, which he was already great at follow-up. It was just something he was really good at. I can take another salesperson from the same exact company that Andy was working in, and they could realize, no, the best return on my investment is actually in the meeting because my conversion rate of actually meeting with someone and turning it into a sale isn't very high. And so the reason pillars are customizable is because, again, we go back to this idea that everyone has this limited mental energy, this limited ability to focus on things. It's not just, hey, I'll do things that are good for my business. It's which ones give me the biggest return on investment. And that not only varies across people, but even within your own business, Bill, like at different stages of your business, as pillars start helping you build things up and you're following your weekly strategy, the best use of your mental energy and time changes. That's just the reality. It changes. I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I think that's one of the hesitations or reluctances that people have in adopting systems is that they're too rigid. And your system has a very appealing quality of being very flexible in that way. I've heard you say that staying busy in some sales, in some cases, what they do is that they aren't focused. And it's actually a form of laziness. Can you expand on that? Yeah. So Tim Ferriss, who you know, and a lot of people have probably heard of on this podcast, and maybe he wasn't the originator of it, I don't know, but I heard it from him first, which is that 
being busy is a form of laziness. And what he means and, and how it relates to this system is it's actually easier just to go, 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 to do, 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 to check email, check email, pick up the phone, send emails, respond to things. Like it's very, it's actually lazy mentally to just be busy. Okay. It's actually easier for most of us to just kind of go with the flow, if you will. Whereas the opposite of lazy, right? <laughs> is if you actually take the time and think and you know and come whether you use my system or somebody else's and say what should i be doing right what's the best use of my time so one of the worst questions you can ask i don't care what business you're in one of the worst questions you can ask is will this positively impact my business because if you say yes to everything that will positively impact your business you're going to be saying yes to everything and you're going to be all over the place. The question you want to ask is, is this the best return on the time and bandwidth I'm about to give it, right? So if you have a decision, am I going to do something or not? And it's going to take you 90 minutes. Is that the best use of my mental energy in 90 minutes of my time? That's the question. And that's kind of what we mean by being busy. Busy is, are pe People who are busy aren't thinking. Let's just put it that way. You're not being strategic. You're just saying more is better. And a lot of times people operate out of a comfort zone. And that's what they do is they just stay within that comfort zone because it's what they know how to do. We all do. Yep. We all do, which is why, you know, you have to be intentional about it. Brian, are you ready for the My Quest for the Best lightning round? I'm absolutely ready. All right. So with your mission to bring the business plan, the index card business plan system to people who can benefit from the focus that it gives, what's the most effective way you've found to get your word out about your mission each week? The best way for me has been actually email, sending emails to my existing email list and giving them reasons to think about the problem differently. For instance, a lot of people think their problem is that they don't have enough time in the day or they're undisciplined or their problem is they don't have enough leads or they don't know how to market well. And that's never the problem. Okay. The problem is always making the shift of where you intentionally spend your time. That's always the problem. So, if you, for example, if you tell me your problem is lead generation, I say, no, that's not the problem. The problem is you're not spending enough time getting better at lead generation. Period, end of story. There's not a skill out there that you can't learn. What have you found useful and effective about referral business? Here's what I found useful and effective about referral business. It's the best business in the world. Here's what I also find. Most of us don't intentionally and consistently ask for referrals. And it's one of those re-epiphanies we have in our life where it's like, oh yeah, that works so well, I stopped doing it. And so you can make a pillar out of it. Ask for two referrals a week. If you think back, what's the best $100 or so purchase you've made in the last six months? I got to cheat on you a little bit. I got to go about a year ago when I replaced it because I've been, it's the best purchase I ever made and will continue. It's my kitchen timer on my desktop. My $12 from Amazon kitchen timer. For your Pomodoro Sprints? You know what? I've used them in the past for my Pomodoro sprints, but for me, there's something about putting 30 minutes on the clock and focusing on something and that timer getting down. I think the kitchen timer is the best productivity tool on the planet. 
So Brian, let's talk a minute about some of the misconceptions and mistakes that people make early on, but have been so common with the number of people whom you've worked with and coached in order to successfully implement your system. What would you say is one of the biggest mistakes people make when they're first implementing the index card business plan? The number one mistake they make is that they you, they identify pillars that don't meet all six criteria. Meaning they kind of, they'll almost get there. They, they, they are like, oh, maybe that's just a guideline. If it doesn't meet one of the six criteria, it's not a pillar. Well, hold on. That's where you'd suggest them putting more rigor and really looking to be a harsh grader so that they end up with pillars that may not be comfortable, but they'll at least be effective in moving their business forward. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Meaning if you're going to follow the pillar system, actually follow the pillar system. Because this is not something that happened overnight. This has been refined and tweaked and refined and tweaked. And so if it doesn't meet the six criteria, figure out you know, how to change it so it meets it. The second one was I teach that identifying the right things to do each week, obviously that's critical, but it's kind of important that you actually do them too, right? <laughs> like you, you can identify all the right pillars. If you're not hitting them consistently, it doesn't matter. So I teach that you want to form one super habit. You don't need each pillar to become a habit. That's not the goal because your pillars will change. You only need to form one habit, and that habit is pillar execution, meaning you have that open loop in your head that has to be closed every week. You, you need to scratch that itch of hitting all of your pillars. The common mistake that happens early on is no matter how many times I say that, they keep thinking the individual pillars need to become habitual. And I say, no, 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 no. I don't, once pillar execution is a habit, what I call the super habit, I don't care what goes into your pillars, they're going to get done because you're going to hit them more because they're pillars than for any other reason. How does somebody back off? Say that they wrote a pillar that really wasn't a pillar because it was outside their control, just to pick an easy criteria. Mm -hmm. How did they back off at the end of the week and say, oh, you know what? I didn't do that. And I can't do that because, you know, it's now eight o'clock on Friday night and I can't even call people in California. <laughs> how do you tell people how to back off a bad pillar or to let it rest and say, you know, let's put it forward to next week? Well, so I would say rest and put it forward to next week. But here's what I would say. You obviously adjust that pillar prior to next week starting. So, for example, if you have a pillar of, I have to book three appointments with this type of prospect or this type of client, and you it's not a predictable result, meaning you tried, but you couldn't hit it in time, okay? Then maybe we need to go back a step and say, all right, it's not a predictable result. You can't do that week in and week out. However, instead of saying book three appointments or book three calls, why don't we say reach out to 15 of them, right? Because that is within your control. So yeah, you, you want to adjust it prior to the next week starting and never miss twice. It's okay to miss at the beginning, but don't miss twice. Don't miss the same target twice, right? 100%. Don't, yeah, don't, don't miss twice. All right. Well, Brian, you have shared so many great ideas on my quest for the best. I want to thank you so much for making us think of Jacques Cousteau, <laughs> as the, the great legendary explorer of the sea. You shared the idea of making hope important that 
you want to hope that people adopt this so that they actually could see that their efforts can make more of a difference and move the needle forward. If you just boil things down to the pillars and follow and execute them on a regular basis, you make a key distinction about focus management being something we do have control over rather than time management, which I think is, is nutso. We do have the ability to focus our mental energy and attention, but we can't control the passage of time. You talked about Andy, who was great as a, a salesperson once he met with people, but was having trouble gaining access to those people. And you talked about helping him break down the specific activities into pillars that would help him get in front of more qualified prospects. We talked about the intentionality being so crucial to your system and making sure that we realize that pillars have to be customized, not only to a business, not only to a particular professional, but also week to week what we're setting as our pillars so that they're appropriate moving things through. You highlighted Tim Ferriss talking about being busy is a sign of laziness and broke that down for us so that we can really see that thinking is what helps us advance our business in addition to doing. So it requires that both proactive thinking and then putting the attention on action in executing that plan. For these reasons and so many more, Brian, I want to thank you for joining me on My Quest for the Best. Thanks for having me, Bill. It was awesome. Hey, Brian, before we say goodbye for now, tell me where's a place that we could go to find more about you and your work online? Well, I like to keep things simple. So instead of giving you 4,000 handles, I'm just going to say productivitygiant.com. You can grab my free book and you can get anywhere from there. Well, Brian, that's terrific. Um, we're going to link to your other social media as well as LinkedIn profile to make sure that people can find out more about you and all that you've got going on. Brian Margolis, author of the Index Card Business Plan for Sales Pros and Entrepreneurs, How to Use the Pillar System to Simplify Your Strategy and Magnify Your Results. I want to thank you once again for joining me on my quest for the best. Thanks again, Bill. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on my quest for the best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.